Hello. Unfortunately this week, due to a lack of funds, the Coast Football Ramble podcast aren't able to have the usual introduction music. We apologize if this has caused confusion and are working on rectifying the problem as soon as possible. Please enjoy this generic 1970s music instead. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble podcast, proudly supported by Sideline Sports Girl and Arena. This week we discuss the current state of the club again, address some rumours, and discuss who could be the next sorry bastard to take on the head coach position. I'm Jimmy and I'm joined by Luke and Morrow. I'm not even going to ask how you are. I don't care. Alright, we got there. Four intros later. Just to let everyone know. <laughs> so I stuff one up, Morrow stuff one up, and then Luke stuff one oh, up. I moved the chair and made a noise. Lucky there's not four it. of us in here. No, and then there were three. Josh um, has the man flu ever since he went to Melbourne. Missed your wedding, by the way. Congratulations. Congratulations. It's a lovely day. The yes. only good news to come out of the last week. No, I've got more good news. We won uh, Soccer Fives last night. Oh, that's good. Double congratulations. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Not quite as impressive Happy as Happy about the wedding, yeah. 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 Mick gave a uh, shout out to Jess as we were travelling up to Newcastle. She enjoyed that. Thank nice. you, Mick. Didn't ruin your wedding day by going to the game, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Are we we going to chat about the game later? Probably. Uh, yeah, if we have to. But mm, I mean, I we've the last uh, two weeks. I think we've come into the studio, if you want to call it that, just to sound professional. Um, there's been a whiteboard in the room, and it's full at the moment with crap we're going to talk it is about. Glorious chockers. And uh, I think glorious that's whiteboard. why it took us four goes to do the intro because our brains are fried. So if we don't know what we're doing, that's normal. Yep. Right. So um, no Fred's question, unfortunately. Uh, the next, the next uh, list of things we're going to discuss. Now, these are topics that we've tried to sort of put in order of timeline and uh, like a, a structure that they relate to each other. Also, all these topics have come from sources, other people, um, quite a few different people, um, including media outlets. And uh, yeah, anyway, straight up meeting with. The club and Ocon. Personally, I've heard two stories. Just two. <laughs> two two sorts of narratives, if you get what I mean. Like there's obvi- there's two clear narratives that are going on. Obviously, some of them branch out saying that Ocon was at home. How the hell did he walk out of a meeting if he was at home? Doesn't make any sense. Mm. Seems pretty weird. I yes. think that was uh, was it Ray Gatta? That was yeah. Gatti was losing the plot. I don't know what's then. going on there. So he stormed out of the meeting in his own home. Yeah. Did, so did he wait out the front for? The person from the club to I don't leave? Know. He went to go play with the dog or something. What's going on there? I, I don't know. So that's not true. So I, what I think has happened sort of links to a couple of the next topics. I am imagining that they approached Ocon with two bits of paper. One was a re-signing contract. The other one was a termination contract, I guess. And they... Either one was going to give be given to him, depending on how he felt or how he reacted to the next couple of topics. One of them is uh, the fact that a technical director is going to be brought in and the whole player signing um, is going to be restructured. Last season and I imagine the season before, but he didn't really have his team then, Ocon had complete control over what players were signed and we signed them. Within the budget. Within, yeah, of course, within, but yeah, the constraints. Now, what was, we mentioned this last week, what was going to happen now is obviously Ocon would give him a player or give him a position, say, I need this or I need them. Uh, then the technical director and the other group of people, including uh, Mike, Sean, Monty, the new TD, whoever that may be, will look at that player or look at that position, get who they think is, is right. Um, obviously, Right being quality at football, being the right price, etc., etc., And then it would come back to Ocon or her, whoever the head coach was going to be and they would have final say on, yes, we're going to have this player. No, we're not going to have this player. Now, that happens, at, as far as I'm concerned, the majority of clubs around the world. I think it's the norm, definitely. 
And if it wasn't the norm before, then why wasn't it? Mm. The only club I can think of, off the top of my head, and this is from talking to other fans um, in the league, that doesn't do it that way, is uh, Brisbane, where Aloisi has complete control over all things football. What seems not disputed is that there was going to be a change to the recruitment methodology and policy and that uh, the club and Paolo couldn't agree on that um, and so have parted company. That that is probably agreed by both sides, I guess, based on all of the different media reports and rumours and blah, blah. So, so it seems that there was a plan to change things and that was uh, agreed not to be acceptable between the parties. In my, in my opinion, I think doing it that way is the way that you should do it. It shouldn't be down to one lone person. I think the head coach should have the final say, but not the total say, if that makes yeah, they should sense. have the first and final say. Yeah, so I mean, the issue at the moment, obviously, is that we don't have a technical director. Well, it's very so strange that... Where where are we going to find the money for that? Yeah. And then where does Monty come into yeah, it? Yeah, it's that bit that I don't quite understand, because if we've had Monty here as an available resource, and I think he's been called our football manager, when it, when we I were told that... I think that's position. We did discuss it with him, but... Yeah, so so I don't exactly know how it is that the, that we designed a process, if we did, that didn't involve his um, part to it. It's hard to imagine that... Uh, that uh, Obviously, if you're going to uh, have budgets, then uh, the head coach is not responsible for those budgets, I presume. So, therefore, somebody else was already involved, even if that was just Mike, um, to say, no, that's too expensive or, or yes, it's okay, there's enough money for that. But but whatever, the I suppose, um, of that, to now make sure that we get that process right and certainly don't um, either leave it in the hands of somebody or allow somebody to have all of the say on that, that seems like the logical next step. I mean, there has to be some other sort of a layer to it, I think, for make to make Paolo uh, sort of go, I don't want to roll with that. He must have known something that uh, potentially was on the way that he really wouldn't have wanted to be a part of to make him just go, no, nah, I don't want nothing, nothing to do with it and to walk away with five games left in the season. And I think... Maybe a big thing of that was uh, yesterday on the Fox Football podcast, Simon Hill, Hill said that he said it was a rumour and he said that um, Mike Charlesworth was apparently overseas wanting to either invest or buy in other clubs uh, with the hope to sort of send young players here and then to sell them on for money. So what head coach would want to be a part of that where they're essentially going to be forced to have players in, in the squad that they've had no say over. I mean, club owners should be nowhere near um, having a say in what players are in the squad or in the first team. Nowhere near. They should be nowhere near at all. It should be, I'm the owner, I'll pump in this amount of money and what you do with it is your sword to fall on. Yeah, that that seems like a logical thing. And, and just before we've seen we it happen at numerous clubs in in England, it doesn't work. No. Yeah. No. And before we sort of jump into you know which one of the long list of coaches that we've put up on the board there that we might just um, go through, then um, from a fan's point of view, the idea that we are interested in um, investing in other clubs, if if any of the Hill rumor is true. <coughs> just seems unfortunate and unfortunately we seem to have picked up along the further grapevine that uh, it was not just one but a number of clubs perhaps and uh, across more than one um, European location. Um, Our grapevine seems to have told us that there has potentially been some interest in England in clubs and in uh, Sweden Um, Mm. and I don't think Simon Hill was talking about either of those. No, he didn't Um, mention any countries but that's what we've heard but and i have to say from a fan's point of view that hurts because you know we're we're going to talk sometime soon about just how low our spending has been mm. um and um about the sort of danny de silva stuff that's in the media we'll touch on i mean so for the last probably three or four years i've i've been questioning whether mike 
has enough money to properly fund a professional football club. And I think everybody was probably getting to that point. And to hear that, that he's interested in investing in other clubs or in, interested in investing in or to buy other clubs, that, I mean, I can't even fathom that really with the does position it, that we're in. Does it mean that he does have enough money and, and we just don't um, deserve it? Or he feels that it's not worth whatever risk it is that's being um, taken there. Um, it's really hard to understand how that can be a logical um, step given that we are struggling to feel that enough funds have been put into our team for us to be competitive, um, to, to think that we would be looking actively to involve ourselves in investment in other clubs. I mean, again, it's, it's rumours, but, but um, they're not the sort of rumours that a fan of the club likes to hear, are they? No, and I mean, when you look at our spend... Uh, probably on the pitch and off the pitch. I mean, we're not spending it here. Why are we going to spend it overseas on other clubs? No. On the hope on the hope that we will get a decent player here to sell them on. That's all it is. There's no guarantee to that. No, it, it just doesn't really make sense, does it? And it's not like we think that there's any sort of, you know, a pipe that's going from the COE to Mike's pocket or anything like that. I don't doubt that Mike's making no money out of any of this, but um, it still doesn't make sense um, that uh, we're not fully invested in or investing in our own team. Um, and it's, you know, these are questions that we would hope to ask Mike soon, but um, when when did, like, is, is the answer that as this season has progressed, then the downturn in the A-League has become sufficiently big that uh, Mike has adjusted his expectations in terms of how much money he wanted to put into the football club because he felt that there just wasn't a point to it. Um, but we don't have any of that information and we haven't been able to speak about it to him yet. So hopefully we can ask those questions soon. But I mean, the biggest thing about our spend at the moment is what probably came out the other day that was even probably a bigger slap in the face of that is that the th- whole thing around Daniel De Silva's contract, like... Tom Smithies said that there was documents that were sent to the FFA that had $350,000 of Roma's money were put into our cap. Into our floor. Into our floor. So not just our cap, but our floor. So, I mean, the floor... So we're not even spending the floor at the moment. We're not even spending the floor. So, I mean, the floor at the moment is 2.63. And so So if we map that out, then what we're talking about here is Smithy says half a million dollars... Um, was is spent on Danny De Silva with one fifty being from us. With one fifty being from us, mm-hmm. and that that was uh, originally marquee contract money, so separate from the cap and uh, the floor. And in order to make sure we didn't breach the rule that says we can't underspend the cap, we've recently moved those amounts, including according to the after we've sold a couple of players or released. Yeah, yeah. So we release some players. That perhaps uh, means that we haven't spent or aren't going to spend the full um, floor. So we move that we shift some money around money into. And I guess the bit that hurts the most, if that story is fully true, and and it, it seems that uh, people want to put them, you know, head behind it, is the three hundred and fifty grand that Roma is reportedly putting into that that we never spent ourselves. And I'm not even sure how that's allowed. <laughs> But maybe it isn't allowed. I, I don't know. But if it is, from a moral standpoint, well, they've got it feels first bad. option to buy him back. Okay, so we understand why they want to contribute yeah. money. But I guess the issue is really: is it acceptable that the money that a foreign entity, uh, who partly owns our player, if you like, is putting their money into his wages, that that's part of our minimum expenditure? Seems like a bit of a stretch. I it's mean, insane. I mean, if you look at the fact that the that the f- you know, the whole cap is 2.92, so that's what the grant is for the TV money. Then the floor's about 300 under that, and then there's another 350 of someone else's money that's not ours, but we've still been granted it from the TV deal. So there's around $600,000 that is going somewhere else to some other expenditure and to not, not into the team on the park. So then 
if you take away probably Hiadier's wages, Brahma's wages, Barrow's wages, who are all probably on, I don't know, have a ballpark, 170 to 200 maybe. Yeah. Yep. And that might be unders for maybe one or two of them. If you minus off them, we're spending probably around 1.4, 1.5 on two-thirds of a squad. 18-ish players, maybe 19 players. Minimum wage? Minimum wage. Minimum wage. You can't, there's no other way. Minimum is, minimum is 61.287 for a, a player that's over 20. And we touched on it, I think, or maybe even talked about it last week a bit, but we are of the belief since that Smithy article came out, then Smithy's article, then some of the rumours around it seem to be that there are other things that are, are not player salaries that are included in that number. Relocation fees? Well, various other yeah. things that we don't know the details of but that aren't player wages and we don't know exactly the details of them but we think that these could be as much as a hundred to 200000 and if that's the case then, you know, we're really... The idea... I mean, Smithy's actually... He, he in that article, he wrote that... Um, that it can be done to keep the spending down. In fact, Adelaide's an excellent example, according to his story, of how you can make uh, keep the expenditure down compared to the, the most spending clubs and still be effective. Um, but as he pointed out in the article, that, that the minimum that you would spend to achieve that is well above what we're spending or what we're thought to be spending. So, So it's hard to imagine how... We thought we were going to be successful on this basis. Um, it's, it's a bit we haven't of a even got a decent eleven. Like the minimum you want is a decent eleven. Yeah, and and we know that there are clubs. Most of the clubs actually, whose um, top two paid players um, are likely to be in total being paid more than than our entire well, half, half first of our squad side. Um, and so, I mean, you know, keeping the budget tight—that's one thing. But spending so little and cutting in every corner, that just hurts us. Um, I mean, you know, the fans surely had a certain expectation that this period would pass, not... On a, and on and off the field. Well, that's that's what we were told, wasn't it? Well, we I sh- mean, we were told that, yes, it'll hurt for one season, maybe two seasons, but we're potentially going in into a fourth year of with probably a coach that's not going to be overly experienced and trying to get results with a squad when you're spending three or four million less than probably the top three teams. When well, when do you think the cut started, though? I think they started when uh, Arnie as, left, to be honest. As soon as Mike got here, just about. And we understood that we needed to make That's some of years. that as well. I mean, yeah. we were close to not existing, and so we, that we so had going to into do that. So, yeah, so... Depending on which way you want to look at it, it's most likely going into a fifth season. And I was, you know, we've been on a little bit of an incline where things seem to be improving, and we were spending, uh, we were at least uh, allowing for bringing in new players who seemed to add to what our squad had. So things seem to be heading in the right direction. But there seems to have been a bit of now. A but plateau. if you look at the players that are let go, like Fatty and Tavares, Tavares, yep. Were they on the same wages as uh, Tommy and Val? Probably. Could have been. So we, I don't think we have spent more. Maybe we haven't. Um, maybe we've um, tightened our belts in other areas as well. But, you know, we all thought that that was necessary. It's just that it seems now that we certainly haven't... We're not on an incline towards competitiveness. That's the bit that hurts for a fan, mm. are we? We're, no. we're, we're just... We're getting worse. Well, <laughs> uh, there's an argument for that we're spending less and less and less and, in fact, that that might continue, which sort of segues into which one of those coaches would be crazy enough I mean, to take the job? It's it's like a poison chalice at the moment, being head coach of this club. We're actually going to do the other bit first. The no relationship. No. Three. Four. Oh, you keep shifting around. It's Jesus a very Christ. confusing board. There's so much stuff on this board. Right. So what coach <laughs> would want to come into this situation, Mora? Oh, can I speak about number one? Okay. Our number yeah. one. Of course, every Mariners fan wants to see Hutch return in glory and cover himself in A-League trophies, premiership plates. I was speaking very close to someone, to Hutch, the other day, and they absolutely love him in Seattle. 
Yeah, I'm sure they do, but we do too. I've got an answer for you. We love you, Hutch. I've got an answer for you. I want him back, but please don't come back because it'll ruin your career. It's not going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen. Well, who would tell their mate if Hutch was their mate to come right now? Because things just don't seem to be set. The scene doesn't seem to be set for him to come back and be a hero. He wants to come back, but not yet, John. So no, so there's yet. one that I think is maybe not in there. And um, I don't know, should we do with the last name on the list there? Monty. Go on, someone. Monty. Well, I now, mean, it, the, Monty's not even a rumour. I think we just threw it up there because we were just naming names. But he's got zero experience. Now, I've heard that he's got better qualifications and badges than Ocon did. Look. However, he hasn't coached. Qualifications are funny things. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they're also expensive things in this country. With when when we were talking a few weeks ago when we we're saying Ocon in Ocon out and we both said, look, if we lose Ocon we lose his name and the players that he brings. Monty has that name and he can bring decent players from England. I agree, and he'd have great contacts. Yeah. Um but again I guess similar to the Hutch scenario, would Monty um, take the gamble in his home club. No, I, I, Monty, I want you as coach, but don't do it, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. We love Monty. So could any of us actually advise him that it's a good idea to take the job? I don't think so. No. no. And he's busy playing anyway. Yeah. He's happy playing at the moment, maybe. I don't know. So, you know. I'd but get him on the phone to his mates and we'll get some decent players. Yeah, definitely. I think Monty's got the capacity to... to well, I think... I think he should play that role, and he didn't play that role at all the last two well, seasons. Well, he wasn't allowed to, was he? No, you so he's a wasted, why, haven't you? Yeah, he's so a wasted resource. The next Which one, next Which one in, the, in this, uh, my ho- my personal current holy uh, trinity that I'd like to see, Khan. Khan. Good old Benny. Uh, we love Benny. Good friend of the podcast. Not going to happen. Either. No. Uh, love Benny, and he probably won't be listening to this. But doing wonders um, up at Brisbane, he's absolutely killing it uh, up in Queensland at Brisbane Olympic. I'm th- pretty sure they are still undefeated, uh, four or five games in. Yes, they won six um, nil the other night. They yep. FFA Cup. Absolutely, no, it's uh, Brisbane Royal Youth. Side. Raw youth. Oh, youth. Yeah. Sorry, Spank. but they did win the FFA Cup. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that either. But they they did spank the Royal Youth team on the weekend, six uh, nil. So. He came out with an interview the day before that game and said, uh, they're young, I've coached young kids before at the Mariners, I know their weaknesses, blah, blah, blah. Uh, next minute, smacked them 6-0. So he's definitely a massively talented coach and he, should, he still should be at this club but isn't for certain reasons. Um, but he's another one where uh, the brains side of that is definitely on the up. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of... Pulling power, it's not a Monty, uh, it's not an Ocon, it's not someone that uh, is going to bring big-name players here. Yeah, he's shown us what he's capable of on the pitch with young players. He, he, he deals with the young players really well. They love him and um, they There's play, a few former mar- they former, for former Mariners have gone up to Queensland just to play with him. Yeah, and it's no Steve surprise. White, Steve White, Shelford Dace, um, Adam Edgar. Uh, I think it's just those three from the academy from last year all went up there basically just to go and play with Benny. That's how much I love him. And it was pretty obvious the impact that he was having on those players. You know, they love him. So, you know, that's, yeah, we'd love him to be here. But, uh, yeah, the idea of him uh, being um, able to sign the biggest players sounds a bit sketchy. And uh, That's where you get Monty involved. Yeah, well, I suppose in a model where we have uh, multiple people involved, then perhaps that that can be... um, uh, that can work, but... Um, it's not going to work at the moment. Well, and again, uh, along the same lines as Hutch and Monty, is it good for Benny Khan to come here and take the gamble that our next step is actually going to be positive? Ben, don't come back, buddy. Because we haven't really shown ever our last three coaches that we're likely to... No, right. So, Sully, current caretaker. Hmm. No. Well, no. I mean, I think you said before, Jim, you've heard that he doesn't want it, um, which isn't really surprising. Uh I've heard that even if he goes five from five, uh, he still won't get it. Four from four, whatever we've got left, um, he still won't get the gig. So We've got three um, left now. I think once the caretaking is over, he'll just go back to be the academy coach. I don't think there's any... Um, I read something before that apparently he's the number one candidate on Sportsbet. I don't know how that happened, but it's not going to happen. 
Well, I don't. I think you guys wanted me to say it, but um, if uh, Saturday night, which wasn't our finest, if you ask me, if that's Plan B, then I think we probably should do Plan A better. That wasn't Plan B. Bazinga. Surely. Well, I hope not, because it looked like we were lining up soldiers in the back six, five. He's just know, thrown magnets you. at a wall. Look, said, we, you did, go there. we did some positive things, and in the second half, we definitely improved, and we put Sydney under a bit of pressure. But um, to me, the goal we scored was when Sydney decided that defending was optional mm. um, and just stood there ball-watching, which was similar to what we've done a bit ourselves at times. So, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I love Sully because he's one of the originals, treated my daughter wonderfully in the first couple of years, and he's, a t- he's been a great bloke to me. But... Um, couldn't say I think he should be our next coach if we're really serious. Gooty. Hooty? That was a pretty funny <laughs> rumour. Um, that st- came out of left field, didn't it? Still a young coach. I mean, it's not... I mean, do you count experience as being at a big club or do you count experience at, as in number of games and look at their results? Yeah, well, he's been in charge of the Real Madrid youth, I think, and uh, has he won the treble? Being, mm. I guess, the league, the he cup, has. and the yep. what's and the third one of the treble? There's only two, isn't there? Well, I thought I, th- I thought I saw it in one of those articles described as the treble, but since yeah. I can't no, you're come right. up, since you're I can't right. come up with the third one, then I'm at the edge of my facts. The Copa del Rey, the league, and the Champions League. The, what's the Kings Cup? The Youth Champions League. In, isn't there a Kings in Spain? Cup? Oh, maybe. Not. I don't watch enough European. Football to know the answer to these questions. I'm the opposite of a Euro snob. It does show, though, that um, he he's the type of coach that um, you know his name has that credibility, um, and he has at least some experience. And in particular, the experience that he has is working with youth. And since it seems that we've stated recently that youth is a big um, direction for us, then um, perhaps that's that's uh, a valid reason why um, he could be considered. Yeah, well, he did say in an article that it was his ambition to coach the Re- the Real Madrid first team. So Sorry, he's got those Co- ambitions. The Copa del Rey is the King's Cup, and they've got the um, Super Cup as well. Ah. Oh, that doesn't count. And they have that at the youth level. Okay. Miller. Got stitched up at the Jets, if you ask me. That was the Nobody old... Nobody asked you. That was the old... <laughs> <laughs> that was the old get sacked while overseas... Uh, got in an argument with the assistant or whatever. Um, so, I mean, in terms of coaching talent, he's got a little bit of experience, like when he was overseas with Fulham. Um, I think he did all right with the Jets in the short time that he had there with the squad that he had. So, I mean, if you're going to look at someone that's got probably decent contacts in England um, and can do okay things with a shoestring budget... Miller could be a potential. Experienced, credible, and the ability. Those are the three standards that Sean set in his interview. So if Miller meets those... I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on that one. Not for me. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> uh, Rudin, no. He's shat on us a number of times. There's uh, nothing that I can say about Rudin <laughs> that isn't expletives, but um, if he was um, even thought about, then Monty should smash him. Monty and Rudin in the same room would just end in a punch-up, so not going to happen. Not with the current AVO anyway. No. Um, Mark Jones. Mm. It was a name I Another heard. failed Jets coach. Yeah. No, thank you. It was a name I heard get thrown around on the weekend. Um, has been involved a lot with CCF and in Newcastle, um, was the head coach of the Adelaide women's team for a while, but I still, it's not someone that's going to bring the type of players here that we need. Gombau. Well, that's a strange one because he's coaching at one of our rivals, but one of the rumours that... Um, he's not going to be re-signed. Yeah, it seems that the media are talking about how he might not be re-signed. Um, Which leaves the door open for... Well, we seem to have picked up from... <laughs> there's that many rumours and that much innu- innuendo around the joint at the moment, but we seem to have picked up that that uh, Western Sydney approached Paul O'Con 
and uh, months he, ago. Yeah, and he before Gombau, and that uh, he turned that job down because he of a variety of things, um, including some of the plays that he had bought here and the links to them. Right. So, so back to Gombau. So back to Gombau. I don't think we could afford him, and Western Sydney fans would advise against us having him. I think. Largely, they seem to be a bit frustrated with him, which is why he's probably on the outer. They invented Gombau, by the way. Of course they did. They yes. invented every other aspect yeah. of football too. So well, man, I think, I think everybody was probably impressed with what he did at Adelaide. But given... I mean, the Wanderers squad isn't anything... It's not a well-beater, but you'd think he'd be getting better results than what he has been. So I'm not... Is it, I it's mean, not his team yet, though, is it? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, he... You could make the argument that he got thrown into a Paul Ocon situation where, uh, but I think he, I think he had even less time, didn't he? I think the season already started. Yeah, he was he was there four weeks in or something like that. Was when he had his first game in charge. So yeah, Fox took the first two. So. Yeah, I mean Wanderers fans are riding him pretty hard, but I mean I don't know. I don't Aaron's think taking his pants off. He's getting ready for fives with his granddad shin pads. <laughs> um, but no, I I think you're right. I don't think we'll be able to afford him. Vidmar. Z. Vidmar Z. Both of them. Either of them. No, One, thank you. One's a former Mariner. He's had some uh, experience. He you cost know. us that grand final. <laughs> You've got a long memory. <laughs> it's yes, an unfortunate Mark, memory. Mark Bridge turns him over right in front of me in a bay just north of the halfway line. And, yep, the rest history. Yuck. Like him, but um, don't know whether or not he fits the experience part. In particular, I don't think either of them do. So really? Yeah, he does. Uh. Got his turn, got Adelaide to the uh, uh, final of the Asian Champions League. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> True, a long time ago. <laughs> I think going down that path is sort of like making Laurie head coach again. I think the leagues, <sighs> the leagues, um, the leagues. I love Laurie, but no thanks. Yeah, mate. the leagues moved on. I think from coaches um, like that from that long ago. Same thing with like a John Cosmina. Um, yesterday on the Fox podcast, they asked him whether he'd be interested. Uh, he asked, how much are we paying? Uh, which d- <laughs> wouldn't be much. Um, but he said the same thing. He goes, no, I'm not interested. Obviously, he's not really in, he's not really in the coaching, coaching realm anymore. Um, but I think those types of coaches and those guys that have been here and done it are probably... Um, let's go for something fresh. I think. Mike Mulvey. Ka-ching. Won the A-League. Is that your favourite? No, I just don't think we can afford that kind of coach. I expect that somebody who has won the A-League before as a coach with Brisbane is not likely to come here for the kind of money. That was Andrew's team. Um, I suppose you could argue that, um, but still, that's on his record. and uh, you, you remember it, but not everybody will. And I think he could do a good job. I think he's had a track record with youth um, as well. So he could be a good option, but I just think that... Um, the, our conditions and uh, our pay is likely to inhibit that. Yeah, I, th- I mean, he's, he's head coach in Malaysia at the moment, if uh, my research is right. Um, but I dare say they'd probably be paying him a fair bit of money because there is a fair bit floating around in some of those Asian countries. So I don't think we'll be able to compete with that. I reckon he'll be pretty comfortable. Um, now we're going to play um, Slater's Rant and... Um just what he what he said on Fox Sports the other night. Season second last onto this season, only four wins so far. Second last at the moment. Wellington only three points behind and could catch them. For me, the onus and the responsibility sits squarely on the shoulders of Mike Charlesworth. Since he has arrived at that club, before that club, when he arrived, champions that first season, he had just got there. Before that, Laurie McKinna. Premier's plate. Four grand finals. This was a club, and I'm saying was because it's now a long time, we're talking five seasons, that had a proud history. Their their fans were right behind them, very loyal fans. They were used to a certain amount of success. They were everybody's second favourite team. They probably still are. But Mike Charlesworth, for me, has put that in in jeopardy. Look, either you're going to have a go, or what are you in it for? You know, what are you in it for? I, I hear now... Unconfirmed, but I'm going to say it because if it's true, I think it's 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 unheard of in modern day professional football. They don't train at the stadium the day before the game because there is a fee. The kit man does not travel uh, to away games. I mean, this is a professional football team with a whole area in Gosford and the Central Coast behind this team 
And you can't expect the, the, the crowds to keep coming when it's just underperformance every time. I don't blame Paul Ocon. Mm. Uh, I think he's a, a wonderfully talented young coach who is coming to a club that is not giving him the tools necessary to be successful. Now, I'm not saying that the group of players there are average. They're good footballers, but you need quality in a squad, and they just do not have it. They don't have it at the back, they don't have it in midfield, and they don't have the quality in the front to make yeah. an impression in this competition. And if we talk about Wellington not deserving to be in this competition, well, guess what? Over the last four or five seasons, Wellington have more points and more wins than the Central Coast Mariners. So, Mike Charlesworth, the onus is on you now to step up. Either you're going to have a go at this club and give the fans what they want and, and the players what they want. If not, please just leave. Um, one thing I noticed he did get wrong was, well, not necessarily wrong, but um, he said that we don't send a kit man. We kind of do, but we kind of don't. Um, we used to have a kit man position, a uh, dedicated person that did that, but we don't have that anymore. Um, now it's a, um, well, a physio or someone else will take on that position. Um, but it's just another example of penny pinching, really, isn't it? Well, it seems we've changed the way that we do that now and, you know... It might be that we think there's a better way to do it and that's what we're doing now. But in the current um, climate, it does seem likely that the main reason or one of the reasons, a significant reason, is to save money. I mean, the main theme behind a lot of the things that we're hearing is that save money, save money, um, cut corners here and there, which, I mean, the league's moved on from the first three or four seasons when you could probably afford to do that and maybe get away with it but it's a fully fledged professional league that's trying to grow and if you continually cut corners left right and centre at some stage you're going to be caught out so things like the players nutrition the players sleep habits their rest and and um, energy usage stuff that's really important now where once upon a time you could probably get over get around it or at least um it was less of a factor and uh the amount of heart was probably more of a factor in a player um also introduce uh, mick Komet, who's just walked in and joined us uh turn your mic on what about radio <coughs> personality mick Komet? Do you do radio radio personality? What? <laughs> former radio personality oh. so i can i can give you guys an exclusive this has been my last year Wow. Oh, really? On air. Are you yep. retiring like Josh Rose? I am retiring like Josh Rose, going out with him. Mate, you're going to upset a few people who listen to your show. Still be going, but I just won't be with them. 13 years, but... That's yeah. a good spell. Congratulations. Thank you. So you've there's, done, there's you've, your exclusive. Really, though, you've done a good job, <laughs> though, because you've almost gone... You've gone to every single home and away game, We've basically. Done, Coast FM have done mm. every single game, including ACL games. So. Yes, you know, yeah. so you've given up your own time just about every single weekend to do that. Massive and, commitment. And thousands and thousands of dollars, yeah. I've got to say. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that's a good run. Gee, uh, the home money manager is pulling the budget there, Mick? Or? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Look, there's a host of reasons, but the reason my boys are getting a bit older, I want to go to games with them and talk football, sit down with them at games and, you know, take them and chat football with them really they're at the age now they're starting to understand the game so i want to be there for them so you've just drawn up another list of coaches you want to run through those for well, us? what was the criteria someone that's cheap with experience yeah is that right experience credible and able okay and cheap. so i've got i've got frank farina up there so maybe not the credibility Raul rasich he might get on uh what about Raul rasich Fari- He's pretty farina credible. might get on well with uh hall <laughs> <laughs> he might what about Dave Mitchell bringing him back? Uh, is he is he on the payroll still? I don't know because he was wasn't he supposedly our scout for yeah. Southeast Asia a, a couple of years a ago? A long time ago, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard his name come up in ages. Now I want to bring back the green jacket at Eddie Krinchovich from the NSL <laughs> days. What do you reckon? What do you reckon <laughs> about you. that? Or no, I've got, or really, bring back a legend in Frank Rock. Now there's credibility and experience, and I'm sure it'll be cheap. He might be 95. But there's credibility Is there. he able to get to the game? <laughs> He's cheap, mate. He's cheap. That's a criteria. <laughs> you just do it from home. <laughs> he could, probably. Football manager. <laughs> he wouldn't take any uh, crap from players, that's for sure. Now, further... Going back to... I'm sorry, sorry for chopping and changing you guys. Um, back to Slater's rant. The, the fact that we 
don't train at the stadium anymore. Like the stadium have said that um, what well, the the pitch is being overused. So part of that angle would be, you know, we don't want to use it, but clearly it's not being overused. It's with only people to use it for God's sake. I know. It's it's frustrating. There's just Lionel Richie's this, using it. The spin and I'll be there. Woo. <sighs> Well, I mean, Hello. we've... we've uh, Just give us some truth. We've we've known that we haven't trained at the stadium since early January. Yeah. So, for the last three, nearly four months, we haven't trained at our own stadium. Um, and, I mean, the best story is before we played Melbourne City, the fact that Melbourne City got to use our own stadium the day, the day before the game, and we didn't. Do, do Brisbane That's train at Lang Park? That's what other question. clubs are allowed to train at their own stadium? It's a good question. Lang Park, the rent there would be through the roof, like it is for their home games. And that's the reason, apparently, that we're not using our stadium as well, along with the reasons straight enough about the pitch and everything like that. Apparently, the rent you know, is too expensive. How much that is, I don't know. But it's another trying to save money. Yeah, measure. and that, uh, well, it is, you know, relevant to think about how other teams are doing it. We've always trained there in the week of the game, usually on a Thursday. And um, so obviously we have um, we've decided that that's too expensive, and and uh, is that in the current climate? Then that's not surprising. I guess. Speaking of pitch hire, it's part of the reason why the whole CCF CCU thing's falling apart. Yeah, from well, what I hear. Yeah, well, it's just a continuation of a long. That's war. been going on for a long time. <laughs> yeah, the parties have been battling on different fronts for a long time, and apparently not. Someone we spoke to did describe it as war. When you, when you look at the personalities at play, it's not really a surprise on any. No, front. no. But we've been through different personalities and just you know changed who was involved in the war to some extent, haven't we? At least on the Mariners' side, I don't know whether or not it's changed much on the CCF side. But it's just a shame that we can't somehow bridge that gap. It's a massive shame for all parties. I know a market as small as Central Coast. Everyone has to be working together to yeah, make it successful. Pathway. That includes the school as well. Um, you know, there's fragmented yeah, relationships that, yeah. across there as well. And uh, international We're talking about ISS, yeah. Yeah. That's like an incredible asset we have on the coast. Incredible asset when we talk about the junior academy that Mike Charlesworth wants to culture. Trent Harger? Well, yeah, he, he came. He came through yeah. there, mostly through Central Coast football, most of his development, but he came through the school. You think to get players in, educated at that school and maybe live in, have some sort of live-in quarters, you could then extend your catchment reach all around Australia, couldn't you? I mean, we've got one professional football club on the coast and one football association and we can't seem to work it out. Across multiple different parties and there's various different aspects to it. Like, for instance, once upon a time, uh, CCF were a shareholder of the Mariners. Uh, I'm imagining without Still knowing... Are. Well, it's hard Small to... Small percentage, s- haven't they? Well, if you have a look through the list. Well, we, yeah. s- we seem to... I thought that list got cleared up last year. Yeah. Has Mike won the battle of getting 100% of the shares? Uh, Including Laurie's shares? We don't know f- any facts yeah. about that, but, but we... Because debts were asked to be paid. And so yeah. we wonder whether or not those shares have, are no longer in the hands of those parties and, in fact, are all in Mike's hands. Debo on the job. I mean, is it, the current list. Is, it a, is it a coincidence that uh, CCF have most likely lost whatever shares they had and now Central Coast United has been born? I hope so. Probably a bit more than that on why Central Coast United was born, but yeah. there's a few aspects. There's the official line and there's probably a few other reasons behind mm. as well. Just, I, I'm going to say, the, the football on the coast is utter shambles at the moment. Utter, utter shambles. Um, but it's like Mick said, that it's n- and it's not just the association either. It's all You've got to have all of the clubs in support. You've got to have the CCF in support. You've got to have the councils wanting to be a part of this. You've got to have local businesses wanting to be a part of this. You've got to have the people wanting to be a part of this. Um, and it's just a bit fragmented, and it seems like it's been different types of fragmented for our whole lives. Mm. Early days, there was some working together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I... Back first three seasons, it was all harmony, and we had even Australian football was doing well back then. But we had yeah, the heights of having now. a team in NPL one, but um, we know there was a bit of disharmony when certain players weren't made available by Arnie um, to the team that was playing in the um, lower division or whatever, and the academy team. And that you know, there's been a variety of disharmonies, but there's still disharmonies. 
That's my other gripe about MPL 1 and MPL 2. Now, our National Youth League boys, they, they have to play in the MPL 2 team if they want to play National Youth League. Mm. Now, that's the stance the club has. But I know as a fact they've missed out on MPL 1 players. Definitely. Who, I know someone yeah. that went straight to Manly because he said, you have to either stay for us and play MPL 2. But he got he got offered to be the captain of Manly under the 20s up in MPL 1. And he went, well, see ya, I'm going so, to Manly. I know another player at yeah. Arpia. Same thing. So who wants to play MPL 2 over yeah, the winter? Exactly. So you're not, if we're going to bank on our academy... Who's come out of the academy the last three years? Lockie Wales. That's really about it. And these are supposedly... This is supposedly where we're going to get our money from or our cash flow from oh, in the future. Our, fu- our future team, as Mike said. Mm. Yeah, where? Seems Does he come every week and watch MPL 2 and watch some of the guys running around? I mean, they're all good kids. They've all probably got really good potential, but there's not millions and millions of bucks running around in that squad. I mean, I think we've got some good qualified people who are involved in it who, you know, can contribute a fair bit in, the, in our academy here. Um, but the relationship part of it just makes it so hard to progress it, you know. And now potentially you might get some going to play for Central Coast United. I don't know if, how much those boys are getting paid, but the guys that play for the Mariners Academy in MPL 1 or in MPL 2 or f- whatever they're in, get paid very, very little, if at all. Could well, CC United's got a long way to go, yeah. Two seasons. Yeah, mm. could be. There's some good things there. What, what I would say is that what I like about CCU's presence is that there's currently multiple paths that get kids in front of people who are experienced football people like Hef and like um, Maddie Crowell and the, the CCU people who otherwise might not get an opportunity here and might be lost to other places. So I know I know a father of a kid who didn't make it in the CCMA trials but has made it in the CCU trials. And so for that young kid, that's his best opportunity and keeping that on the coast, I think that's fantastic. But, but uh, the overall reasoning and um, structure of it just still seems wrong after all these years. And a lot of those opportunities are even below that as well. They all come at a price point. But you have a look at the model they have. They're churning up a heap of money. It's a model the Mariners could have done in the early days and been churning up that money for themselves. Mauro needs to leave us now and go play some fives. Have fun, boys. <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> oh, I wish I could tell you. Whatever way you look at it, it's an, it's an investment of resources. Yeah. It's whatever way, if you want to go the, the youth model, well, then there's got to be money ploughed into the youth model to get the best juniors here if you want to sell them. You can't carry on the current system in MPL2 hoping players will come and trial and hoping you're going to get the best players. When One's... Western Sydney now have got the blanket over those players in Sydney FC, Sydney FC scouting a better... You've got Western Sydney there, a possible another Sydney team coming in there. We used to grab a lot of good players from West Sydney. That's that what that went when West Sydney Wanderers came in. Exactly, because Sydney yeah. FC reaches and they didn't reach out there. No. And everyone was affiliated to the Mariners because they didn't like Sydney FC, the bling team. And we that's where we got all our players. Matty Ryan for one. And that, that Matty Ryan, the heaps Bernie, Duke. The list goes on. But there's None of those. There's none of those types here now. No. So there's no, there's no young this, prospects coming through. Is this, there? A, this apparent model that Mike wants to spruik. It's not in the works. Not this season. Not next season. Probably not even the season after. So I mean, I hate being so negative, but I mean, there's. It, I can't. It's not see negative, it. Luke. It's realistic. I know, but I can't see it improving before it potentially gets worse, and we can't afford to get it wrong for a fourth year in a row to go through a fourth coach and end up down the bottom of the table again. It's going to get worse. When more Sydney teams come, you've got to look beyond Sydney now. Mm. And I don't know, if, if you want to do the best thing, there's got to be living academies mm. like they do overseas. That's the only way of doing it. You can't have more clubs competing for the same boys in Sydney or on the Central Coast. You only get a, Our population's limited here, so... You might develop one every three years from just locally on the Central Coast to come up to A-League, and that I think is a good effort. But if you want this pay model where you know you want to sell players to sustain first grade... 
I mean, the odds of getting a million, you know, like a million dollars transfer fee from an from an academy kid that's 22, 23 years old is so small. We've only had one of those, Tom Rogic, and he's not from here. Exactly. Mm. Or Rostin Griffiths, who was, you know, sort of a lot older, also not from here. Western Australia. That's probably so. your best bet, you know, to grab... I mean, the best 18, 90-year-olds somehow expose them to first-team football. Mm. You're not going to be competitive then. Well, one thing that does hamstring our MPL2 team is the youth policy that is emplaced on them. Yeah. So once that's lifted, I don't know, they might get promoted to MPL1. They might, you know, attract some more quality players then. But until that happens, I, I think they were looking at looking at that, raising the age a little bit. But, um, you know, it's not... An exact excuse because FC, Sydney FC are in the MPL1. It's a failed model. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a failed model. It's just not going to work. The whole youth system is a failed model. I yeah. mean, the National Youth League of eight games is an absolute joke. When I was playing National Youth League, we'd mirrored the the National League season. Mm. We played 18 games in the season, 18, 20 games. We were allowed three overage players to come back to support the youth players players all work their way back from injury work their way back from injury the players were then the good players were allowed to go up and you know they they got hardened over many many games mm. over, over the youth league you know those with a little bit of talent were then asked to train with first grade so so many benefits of having a larger national youth league system and football federation australia it's another failure but they just don't want to invest no. in, in that amount of money because that's ex- expensive People are calling out for a, a Division Two, a nice strong National Youth League, and we we used to include other clubs that weren't in the National League. There was other clubs as well competing, and it was a North and South system, a Victorian system, and the New South Wales Queensland system. And it used to work really well, and some great players came out of that system. Just finance, but it comes down to it at the end of the day, it's our problem. It's FFA's problem. Too busy putting David Gallup up up the front end of a plane. Yeah, and then. <laughs> Putting the picture on bloody social media. Well, that's the other that model. You want to play MPL? Yeah, but that might have been a Qantas advert. You never know these <laughs> days. No, still seriously. A, still yeah. a dick move. Don't do it. Read the room, David. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, that's the other issue. You want to play MPL for any of the, the big clubs. How much is it going to cost a year? Three, four $4,000. Mm. There's a price point of paying yeah. as well. Pay to play. And if you, if you want to develop, if you, you know, it, it costs money when the best kids are going to the AFL and league and they're not paying that sort of money to be involved in that. Some of the poorer kids who might have more athletic talent. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it all comes down to money at the end of the day. And I mean, I think we, we, we probably said it after Wormsley got the sack, but I think this off-season really is probably the most important in the last 12 years or whatever. Because if... If if we don't get it right again and crowds keep on going down... And the amount of players off contract as well. Yeah, and that as well. The spend keeps on going down. We won't have a club. It's as simple as that. Especially when you've got so many clubs wanting to come into the league now, supposedly, um, and are willing to sort of bankroll it. when, And also when you've got a lot of people calling for Wellington to get the kick, well, if they get the boot... I mean, there's not many arguments you can make for why we should stay in the comp if we're going to continue to act the way we are as a supposedly professional football club. The amount of points we have accrued since Charlesworth has taken control is 121 points. That is almost exactly half of Sydney. It shows. <laughs> but we're not, we're not really in a salary cap league anymore either. No. That's been eroded no. from the early days as well. So many clubs spend that much over the cap now, it's nuts. I mean But like you could basically grab those points and that, that, that points ladder there and then draw how much money each team has spent and it, it would equal out probably the same. Well, apart from City. But they're you know, they were growing. I, I don't know if they've put in actually well City's younger. Does that include Hart? Dunno. Good question. Probably have to. Probably includes Hart, but Hart yeah. didn't spend that much in the early days. No, they didn't. And you're right, you can draw a conclusion that. And it was those big clubs that put all the pressure to erode the cap as much as they did. 
and it's not it's not a salary cap. The early days was, and every year someone different was winning the comp, and it was close. And it may well go down the EPL model now, where only a handful of teams can possibly win it on any year, and then you got a one in twenty year Leicester that'll come along and mm. and win it. And maybe that's the reality of supporting the Mariners and having the Mariners in this comp. I, I don't know, but until it goes back to a true salary cap league as well and until the Mariners can spend 100% of the cap, it's never going to be a level playing field. To be 25 points behind next closest to Wellington. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it is bad. And to think... I, I know there was a few Sydney supporters there on the weekend, but they had no more than 1,500. So to think no. that there was 5,500 Coasties there still mm. on that Saturday night... That's an amazing core base. Yeah. And that's the core base that's stuck around through all the crap. But I think we've all probably seen it, that the patience is slowly wearing, slowly, slowly wearing off. I mean, my fiancé had someone come into work the other day and said that him and his whole family is not going to renew next year and neither are eight of their mates. Well, I have. I buy eight season tickets every year for family and associated family, whatever. There was only one of those eight in that Sydney game that was there. They all had season tickets. Mm. There was only one of that eight that was at the game out of interest. Yeah, it's a worrying trend. It's really worrying. Mm. There's nothing happy at this end of the podcast, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That'll pretty much do it, eh? Maybe. We don't need to talk about the Sydney game, do we? No. Oh, it was good to see Matt Simon school. If we're being rather... Was it? Oh, if, if we're being, if we're enjoying, don't our show your face year, in Woi Woi no, ever again. Me, if we're enjoying our utter shitness, surely Matt Simon scoring against us, you would in, embrace that. What would even made it better is if he was offside and VAR still allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to be fair, I thought that second half there was a bit more fight and a bit more effort. There was a bit in, more oomph. There was, there was. In, that, in that second half. First half was pragmatism. And unfortunately, Danny De Silva got injured at half time. That was almost a blessing in the side because we had him as a false nine, and there was no nothing to get the ball up the other end of the field. And as soon as Trent came on, he just gave a little bit of speed at the pointy mm. end, and we were able to move the ball up quicker to the other side of the field, and it gave the team a little bit more momentum. And I thought they got stuck in. I thought Wout showed amazing leadership in that game. I know he's been criticised. I don't mind him. Season. I like Val. Yeah, I like him as well. And I think the last couple of games when players have been missing, players have been injured and the team hasn't really hummed along, I think he's shown... He well, he's has probably shown not leadership. frustrated. Yeah, it's frustration. He's probably not frustrated anymore. Yeah, maybe. He's been let off his leash. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. But I, I thought he was excellent. And the last two games with Liam Rose has shown to me why he hasn't been... I don't know why he hasn't been playing all season. Mm. Honestly, and well, we know why. because he hasn't had enough mongrel in him. Enough mongrel, and he didn't fit. He didn't fit a style. That's not my, that's not my opinion. Yeah. It's just what I've heard. He didn't fit a style or a system. Well, he showed plenty of mongrel last couple of games. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think the first half was a bit. Oh, here's the new game plan that we haven't tried all season, and then in the second half they sort of worked it out a little bit, and then that goal at the end was just what we've had all season. Just that. Laps in concentration, laps in someone doing their job properly. Yeah. And it costs us again. And poor Jay, he got up and scored the goal. Mm. But then for the goal he's conceded, he's not even watching the ball. He's looking at Matt Simon. Yeah. And the ball went over his head. Yeah, which has been a consistent thing. <laughs> I have to take you, Redford. I was in the car at the moment at the time. <laughs> listening to us. I was listening to On you. your wedding night. Yeah. How's that for commitment? Done Still well. Still listening to the Mariners on your wedding night. Done well. We were but driving. Did, so, look, there was some signs there of a little bit of heart, and but a new coach is going to bring in and motivate. Mm. And he was quite animated on the sideline. He was playing a bit of Game Boy football on the sideline, Sully. So he's not long-term prospect. No. I, th- I think he wants to prove himself in the last sort of couple of games because he didn't work as a youth coach mm. when he was here, didn't work as an assistant. And now he, sort of, he probably wants to prove a little bit, yeah, I can do it, and then I'll go back to the academy and try and work my way up again. To me, he showed a pragmatic approach. Yeah, he didn't. He wasn't dogmatic in a, a style of philosophy, and he even changed tactically. He even changed it in the second half. Mm. You know, that's all we've been asking for all year. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit of change, and we got it. You know, you want to Just play a certain different. style. You need a certain style of player. Yeah, 
And <laughs> if you want to play a possession-based passing game, well, don't hire a whole heap of players who are quick and mobile and have less technical ability than other players in the A-League. Bang on. But as, as we've been saying, you know, if you either build your tactics to suit the team or build your team to suit your tactics, and it seemed that we had a team that didn't suit the tactics and we had the tactics that didn't suit the team. 100%, and that's what impressed me a little bit with Sully on the weekend. He showed that pragmatic approach and, OK, he parked the bus, but... The but, way the team funny. was going versus the way Sydney are on the table, mm. it was a practical approach to me. Well, it's, it's weird because our original tactics with Ocon were, seemed to be one of the only teams that actually got to Sydney, which is why I was confused as to why this game he changed it. I think he had to change it. I don't think he had a choice. Yeah, I think we've missed Capsie quite a bit. It's a pressing. It's, it was amazing. Where we got him was the pressing. We had the pace and the mobility to press and to push as hard as possible on Sydney, and that forced the mistakes. Yeah. But it also needed that solid back line. And I think, you know, with a few players out, it needed the work rate in the midfield as well that Tommy provided. So that there was a lot of circumstances for the first two games that, you know, and players that weren't there for that last game. Anyway, I think that'll do it for this week. Um, we're going to have two weeks off because I'll be away. And then um, I'll be back just in time for the Jets game and we'll probably... Do a season review of us after Yeah, that. that's going to be fun, isn't it? Yep. Thanks for having me on. That's all right. For you can sure. come back in a couple of weeks if you want. We'll have a big party. We'll have, I don't know, we might bring in a couple of more microphones and get some more people in. Awesome. All right, well, thank you for listening. Sorry that was so painful. Um, we'll see you in two weeks.